0: two, one, and we are recording. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Barbell and Marriage Podcast. Uh, I'm Sean Fantuzzi with my co-host, Will Rittel in the uh, not-so-cold-yet-North Dakota. Not yet. Get, getting there. Uh, and today,
1: we have David Kitchen on the podcast today. Um, Dave, welcome. Fired up, man. Thanks for having me, brother. It's, uh, it's exciting, man. I, I see what you guys have been doing. I know we've been in contact for a while, so I was excited to see you. Starting up 2Z training and all that, I was was jacked up, man, so I've been following the journey, and I'm happy to be here.
0: Nah, appreciate it, man, appreciate it. We're just trying to provide some good content, some good conversation for everybody, right, Will? That's
1: right. That's
0: all it is. Anyway, uh, why don't you tell the listeners, who is David Kitchen?
1: Yeah, man, so uh, kind of a a different path than a lot of people. Um, Came out of school, you know, the business degree and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Found strength and conditioning, Um, not so much found, but fell back in love with the barbell. Um, And, you know, that was my vehicle for the last seven years now. Uh, I've been a college strength and conditioning coach, stops at every level from high school to, you know, D1, FBS football, and kind of everything in between some mid major schools. And it's been an awesome experience. Um, You know, obviously with with this coronavirus, everybody's kind of had some time to to do some soul searching. And, And, you know, I'm not exempt from that. And I don't think anybody should be. So, You know, during this time, I kind of have been batting around a a business idea for a little over a year now um, about going into leadership development and really focusing on that. And I finally decided you know what it's time to take the jump and and make some changes in my life. And so I transitioned, um, actually started a business back in June, um, didn't officially launch until about August. uh, But Edge Leadership Academy is now live. So I'm, I'm primarily focused on that now working on my PhD in, in uh, developmental psychology. And I had no idea which, about I mean, that. That's awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah, man. It was, it was a big, a uh, big pivot point for me, but it's been, it's been unbelievable so far. Um, to be honest with you, it happened faster than I thought I'd been, you know, I jumped into like the Gary V stuff and, and the mm-hmm. business building and I'm like, how do I go about this? And, you know, so in my mind, I had a timetable set in, in the original business plan that I presented to people that was like, you know, for the first year, we're not going to sell anything. We're just going to provide content. We're just going to mm-hmm. provide education we're going to build a brand. Um, and the response was so overwhelming, you know, right off the bat that it kind of forced me to, to jump right in. And so now I'm, I'm working with, you know uh, I have a couple colleges on my roster right now. I'm also working out some deals with, with some more. So there's more stuff coming. Um, so it kind of forced me to, to jump right in and, and, you know, they, they say like, you're never ready for anything. So it's better to just get in and figure it out as you go. Um, so it's been an awesome experience for me. I mean, it's stuff that I'm passionate about. It's the opportunity to talk to people, help people grow. So it fires me up that I was able to, to make this transition so smoothly and make this happen so fast.
2: Yeah, so let's, let's dive into your what you're doing right now. because So I'm on your website right now, and for those of you who are listening, it's edgeleadershipacademy.com. So I, I would highly suggest anyone listening to go onto that website and check it out. But I think, so right off the bat on the website, you start out with a kind of an anecdote about an athlete coming in to your office, basically saying, you know, I've been like the best player on the team. I've always been told I need to be a leader, but I've never been taught how to lead. And then, so I'm just going to read something um, from your website right after that quote, which I think is just, it's so true. So you say, uh, where is it? Unfortunately, this is the norm. Instead, the vast majority of people, some of whom may be extremely talented, lack the skills to lead. Without leaders, there's no culture, there's no standard. Without a standard, there are only suggestions, and people will do what is comfortable, drift toward mediocrity. For our teams and businesses, culture is the backbone of what makes or breaks us. It's the difference between hitting our best quarter of sales and being forced to make cuts, between a between a comeback win late in the game and going home empty-handed, culture cannot survive, let alone thrive, without proper leadership. And I think that's like that's so true. Um, I know with some of the athletes that I've worked with, that like it's true for them. Um, I feel like it was true for me when I was uh, in college, and like, geez, we could go into so many different kind of avenues after that, but. Um, what is your main priority when you're trying to teach people how to become better leaders? Um, we had Fergus Connolly on, I think it was last week mm-hmm. and we talked about a little bit about, um, kind of the myth of, Oh geez, now I'm forgetting. Uh, the I think myth, it was just
0: discipline and leadership uh, and kind of like
2: the myth of like the buzzword discipline and um, mm-hmm. allowing principles to, Kind of lead behavior and and not f- enforcing discipline through intimidation and i know especially for college kids college athletes and they're working with their peers they don't want to be the asshole on the team they don't want to be you know the coach's pet that's like trying to get on everyone's ass to make sure they're doing what they need to do um and i just think like this anecdote you have on your website is perfect and what, what do you think is the best way to go about teaching these leadership skills while also not um, conveying a message that you are superior to your peers on a team? Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I, I think it's twofold. I, I think it was kind of born from this idea that, you know, a lot of times people who we look at as leaders and who we get into these, these leadership roles, it's the person with the loudest mouth it's the most talented, it's, you know, people that fit this kind of our generic thought of what a leader should be, right? And, and so I kind of got away from that. And I really thought to myself, like, in my mind, leaders are built, not born. But where does that start? What is the framework that has to be put in place for them to be successful? Exactly like you're saying, so you don't get those toxic situations of, well, now I have, I'm the leader, so I get, I get to be mean to everybody. And, you know, that does go back to building trust, man, and building a relationship and building a culture within your team that allows, and here's a, here's a word that is not a buzzword that should be allows and not only allows, but encourages vulnerability on both sides. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I talk to these kids and these, these athletes and student athletes and, and business owners, whoever it may be, biggest thing most people struggle with is vulnerability. Right. And so we get them into this, this, system that i'm kind of building and and that's going on and it teaches them first off to find their own blind spots everybody has them be aware of them own them whatever um but also start to separate you know your self-worth from the situation and from feedback that whether you're giving it or receiving it right so if i'm giving you feedback about your coaching session and what you could have done better am i judging you as a person no and am i am i a better person because i'm saying that absolutely not right so one of my mentors, and, and Sean, you know him well, Ham, he always said, like, I'm not, I didn't write the book. I just read it before you did, right? So that's all it is. And it's the same thing in a leadership role. You have to understand it. and I, I say it to my athletes when I'm coaching, and now I say it in my business, like, I'm not preaching from a mountaintop. I'm preaching from the same valley that you're in. I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. The mm-hmm. only way that you can get people to listen to that message, though, is to have a true relationship with them and a connection, not just communication, connection
2: where they know that
1: at the end of the day you're doing this for their best interest. Now that's a hard thing with all the social pressures that our, our student athletes are facing and and within an office environment, if it's a business um, within, you know, the staff dynamic, if you're a GA or or a younger assistant, how do you lead? That's tough. And I think a big piece of that is just building that, that courage really to be able to put yourself out there and understand that this isn't going to make or break you. Um, When you give feedback, how it's received, you know, we had a situation in one of our, our teams that we're working with where somebody gave feedback, but then immediately went to another member of the team who wasn't on the leadership council and asked their opinion. And, you know, me and the head coach discussed this and I said, that's going to happen because these kids want to be accepted. They want everybody on some level, Simon Sinek says it. um, You know, there are a lot of different authors that say we're hardwired for connection and acceptance. We want to be accepted. Um, So to be a leader, you have to understand, you have to be a heat seeker, not a heat deflector, right? And that comes from, from Trevor Moad's thought process and what he does with some of the think big, go far stuff. Um, but it's understanding that as a leader, you're naturally accepting the responsibility that, hey, not everybody's going to like me, right? Not everyone's going to agree with what I do. I don't need you to like me. I need you to love me. Those are two different things, mm. right? Like and love are not the same thing. You need to love me because you know that what I'm doing is best for the team and what's best for the situation. It doesn't make me better than you. I'm no better. I'm in, in fact, as a leader, you're shouldering the burden. You're asking. You're saying, hey, if, you, if we lose, I'm going to take that. If we fail as a group, I'm willing to take it. But you have to meet me halfway by willing to, being willing to accept the feedback that I'm giving you. And that goes back to relationships that are, you know, you have to form those from day one and, and move forward. And that can only happen over time. So I, I tell all the coaches that I work with, like, this isn't a quick fix. This is not a, This is not a an overnight we're going to have one meeting and, and move on and we're going to be good. Like, that's not what this is. This is going to be a, a six-month engagement, a three-month engagement of actively engaging your culture and engaging those relationships on both sides and building it from the inside out. So that, that's kind of the framework that I come from. A lot of it is rooted um, in psychology principles and understanding the stages of development, understanding, you know, where people are most malleable, what values are already pretty set. How do we work around those values? How do we bring people with different backgrounds together to work towards a common goal and build that trust? You know, how do you get the, you know, in North Dakota Dakota State, you know, sense, how do you get the kid that's never left Fargo? How do you get them to trust the kid that came up from Chicago, doesn't have a mom or a dad, you know, grew up in a tough situation, has to work for everything he's ever had, well, if you break it down and you push it a little bit further, maybe you might find that, hey, maybe the kid that's from Fargo worked on a farm his whole life. So maybe he had to work for everything he had too. But if you don't dig beyond the surface, you'll never get that, right? And so it's, it's understanding stuff like that. And, and again, I try and root it all in science, because at the end of the day, you can have your own opinions on things, but science doesn't lie. Um, so I try and base everything off those principles and, and really try and create a situation um, and a jumping off point where I allow the student athletes to talk. It has to be a two way discussion. I don't go into any of my, my workshops and just talk to people. It's always let's discuss this because I want to hear what they're thinking. And that allows me then to build off of it and pull things out that maybe weren't originally going to be talked about.
2: In a, in a sporting context for, for teams, do you think it's, I don't know if like a prerequisite is the right word, but uh, we'll just use that word. Do you think it's a prerequisite um, for an athlete um, to have a certain amount of production in their on the field or on the court before they become leaders? Like um, for example, like with some teams I've worked with, there've been captains who are voted, um, and but they're bench players. And they're voted as captains because the team sees them as a leader, um, but they don't necessarily – have the confidence to be a leader themselves because they don't get much playing time. Um, I guess could you kind of touch on that situation and how to you know develop some confidence in athletes like that to become uh, leaders and see themselves as as leaders, um, even though they lack the production or playing time. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, I think you know you look at the NFL, or you look at NBA, whatever you know, whatever sport it is. How many great players have tried to be head coaches and they're awful, right? It happens, yeah. the it happens all the time. Happens all the time. Talent does not equal leadership, okay. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, if you are a talented person and you think that you can lead just because you're you're talented, um, you look at the 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 Last Dance, right? Michael Jordan had to learn how to lead. He could always score, but he had to learn how to lead. Kobe had to learn how to lead. You know, those things happen. And so, when you have that right blend, yeah, that can be the case. But for the most part, for those kids that you're talking about that maybe are a bench player or a low minute guy, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's getting them to understand that as a leader, you're not a leader of points scored. You're not a leader of production. You're, you're a, you know, I hate to use the, the cliche, but like you're a guardian of the culture. Like that is your job. As a leader, like that is what you're here for. You're an ambassador of the culture. So I don't think, um, you know, for anybody that that feels like, Oh, I don't produce, so I can't lead. You know, I, I think the first thing to do is sit them down and have that conversation. You know, what are we asking you to do? That role has to be defined because there's different types of leaders too. You know, there is there, there's no doubt that a guy like J.R. Smith can be a leader, right? But is he a culture guy? I would argue probably not, right? You know? But there's no doubt he leads. That's a good analogy, guys. though. That's a real you know, good analogy. He takes a big shot and he wins, you know, yeah. so he can be a winner, but he's not necessarily a leader. Um, and so I think it's, it's having a clear expectation with the student athlete of what do we expect from you in this leadership role you know, and getting them to understand that and then finding out if they buy in or not. There's going to be cases where you think a kid is an excellent candidate for leadership and they don't want it because that's that's a missing piece that people think like you're not given leadership responsibilities. You have to take and you and I don't mean that in in the sense of taking something that doesn't belong to you. But I mean, you have to be willing to shoulder that burden. So if you're not motivated to lead, you could be the best culture guy in the world. There's kids that are, you know, and we joke about it as strength coaches, but there's kids that are GPA guys, right? they just want to be on the team, they want to do the right thing, they want to get their T-shirts, they want to practice, they want to enjoy the sport, they don't want to lead. And that's okay. You know, but then there's also guys that might be doing all those right things as well, and they do want to lead. You have to identify those kind of people because there's going to be both. You know, There's walk-ons on every team that do a great job and bust their butt, but they don't want to lead. And, yeah. and you know, I think, can you build that over time? Absolutely. Maybe second year on the team you can build a little bit more of that um, but I think we have to put them in situations and find it out. Because I think, you know, as as kids nowadays, like, you're not putting those leadership roles the same way we were. Like, think about when you were young. You put, you want to find out who a leader is, put 12, you know, 9 to 11-year-olds on a, on a um, concrete surface, hand them a kickball and a piece of chalk. And I bet you find out real quick who the leader is. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, you yes. want to find out who a leader is, drive through a neighborhood, see where all the bikes are parked. You know what I mean? That stuff doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anymore, so we have to put them in those situations through strength and conditioning, right? That's a great vehicle. It's a phenomenal vehicle, through practices, okay, through player-led meetings, those types of things. One of the things Coach Byington did at um, uh, Georgia Southern when I was there that I thought was awesome is there were certain huddles, you know, during timeouts where he wouldn't speak, and he would say, you guys figure it out, talk, and that's how you identify those leaders. You know, now sometimes it was practices, sometimes it was games that's when you find out who your leaders are. And sometimes they weren't the people you thought they were. Somebody might have 17 points already and they don't say a word, you know, so are they motivated to lead? I don't know. You know what I mean? So, so it's, it's a really back and forth thing, but I think, you know, our job as, as the leaders even higher up on the chain than these student athletes and the people with experience in this is to put them in situations that allow them to identify themselves and find things in themselves that they didn't know were there. You know, if you force somebody into a leadership role um, in a low stakes situation and allow them to get comfortable with that pressure and then build it over time, you're more likely to have um, a a pretty good leader towards the end. You know, so one of the things that I work with um, a, a field hockey program is we have a leadership council and then we have our leadership group. Our leadership group is the older you know, seniors, juniors of the team. The leadership council includes freshmen and sophomores that we're grooming to be those captains in two or three years. You know, and so I think that's important, too. It's got to start from the day they step on campus. Nobody is too big. Nobody is too young. Nobody is too, you know, everybody has to be involved in this. And everybody can lead. You don't need a title. You don't have to be on a leadership council to lead. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I think that's an important thing to get the, through to the kids. And that can be, you know, tough because they're like, well, I don't have a C on my jersey or they, they don't respect me because I don't get buckets. Well, what are you doing off the court? Are you doing the right things? Are you willing to speak up? That's the thing. Are you, are you motivated to lead? Do you want this? Are you willing to be, like, you know, we talked about earlier, are you willing to be the bad guy sometimes and be that guardian of the, of the culture and of the standard and be willing to say, Hey, we don't do that here. You know what I mean? And then that goes back to the team culture, right? What happens when you say that? Because that's a, that's a, a form of vulnerability, right? We talked about vulnerability for a second. That's a form of vulnerability. If I don't play and I speak up in the locker room and I say, yo, clean your towels up, bro. We don't do that here. We don't throw our towels on the floor. What's the reaction of everybody else in the room? That's going to tell you a lot about your culture too. Does the rest of the room back me, or am I out on an island? Yeah, you know that tells you a lot about about what's going on in the culture as well. So I, I think there's a lot of things that play into that, but you, it's definitely possible. And it's to me, you know, I think sometimes your better option is not necessarily the kid that that scores a bunch of points or is is out in front if they're not motivated to lead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned a lot about having these conversations, having communication and communication is always a big buzzword when it comes to teams, leadership, everything like that. Um, and I'm going to butcher this cause I know I want to say it's Alan Stein, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but someone said, it's not always about communication because everyone can communicate. It's comprehension. So how do you unpack comprehension in that leadership role so that people aren't just saying things like anyone can walk in a huddle or anyone can walk in a, uh, on a court and say, all right, guys, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Like that's, to me, that's not leadership. That's just saying the obvious. Like, it's like, it's like, Oh guys, we need to score more points. Like, (laughs) duh. But how how do you, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I I was just going to say, I think teams have to have their own language. Your family has to have a, and I say family because, A team should be a family, right? Your family has to have your own lingo. You have to have your own language. You have to have your own way of communicating. Um, And it's also, you know, as a leader, understanding your followers. Is it somebody that needs a hand on the shoulder when you talk to them? Do they need that physical touch to feel the connection and then be able to comprehend what you're saying? Or is it someone that needs, you know, a lot of, of outside of, you know, sport communication to allow them to trust you in sport? You know, there's a lot of different things that play into that, um And again, I think a lot of it is, is language too. What language does our team use? You know, are there words? And, and I don't say, I don't want to say like, you know, the hashtags and stuff that you see all the time. That's the, that's the stated culture. That's awesome. That's, that's good. It's good for social media. I'm talking about the experience culture. I'm talking about the inside, the day-to-day in the locker room stuff. What's the language in there? And if you can build that to where it's something that everybody understands and everybody's on the same page with, you have something really, really powerful, you know, like, Alabama says the process right when somebody brings up the process that is a core value of who they are so the other people comprehend that, hey this is serious we're talking about the process now we're talking about us you know if you look at New England and, and what Bill Belichick's done the patriot way right there has mm-hmm. to be common but the only reason that those phrases work is because they're believed and they're experienced right it's all of them it's belief plus behavior plus experiences that's going to give you your culture and so when you talk about how do I co- get somebody to comprehend, you have to create a language that only exists within your culture and that separates you from other people. And then you, you build upon it through trust, through touch points outside of, of uh, you know, sport, through, you know, shared experiences over time. That's why I think like team bonding trips and stuff, everyone says they're corny. Listen, our guys went to Spain this past year. When they came back, they were a different group. That group was, was so much more bonded for having gone through that together. You know, yeah. that's important. I do think that those types of things are – and it doesn't have to be Spain. You know, it could be something as dumb as – And Spain's nice. Scores. Yeah, I, hey, I'm not <laughs> knocking Spain, right? I'm not knocking Spain, but, but it can be anything, you know? And, yeah. and sometimes it's shared adversity. You know, some, you think uh, – I mean, you look back to um, Brad Stevens, right? When, when he took his team to the Final Four and they lost, you think that team didn't come back a little bit closer the next year? They remember that look in each other's eyes. They remember that feeling and they shared that trauma together. And now they spoke a language that is, you know, different than other people. It's, it's something we went through this together. We speak a language. We understand each other. We comprehend it, you know. And so it's your job as a leader from the coach's standpoint to create the atmosphere that allows for that, those shared experiences. And again, it goes back to vulnerability, right? It goes back to your kids feeling safe. And able to voice their opinions and voice their feelings of what they're going through and feel, you know, because there's always the cool guys on the team and, and cool girls, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And what a coach would say, cool guys get you beat, right? That's they who know. gets you beat. Yeah. And but these kids are are in a constant state of, you know, they're afraid to care. Like if I don't care, if I don't bet, I can't lose, right? So you have to create a culture yeah. that makes it cool to bet and makes it okay to lose. It's okay. To go through some tough times it's okay to share that and be not okay sometimes as long as everybody in the room accepts you and doesn't judge you as soon as you feel judged you're never going to want to be vulnerable again you know like sean if you came home for the first time and cried in front of your wife and she was like what are you doing you think you would cry again no probably not right you'd probably take it to the bathroom and maybe crying to crying into a towel by yourself you are not going to that. Open, <laughs> you know what
0: i mean so and you have to create that can't wait for my wife to listen to this episode <laughs> <laughs> oh man no that's that's a lot to unpack but that's absolutely i could not agree more the the common language thing is vital when it comes to any sort of camaraderie teamwork leadership anything like that um, couldn't have said it better so i have a question on
2: <clears throat> sorry i have a question on how you identify leaders um and we'll just use sporting context for in the performance field um so do you think it's better for, I guess maybe it's not better, just maybe be context dependent, but, um, as far as letting leadership or letting leaders just emerge organically within the, the, the team dynamics, or as a coach, do you, would you prefer a coach to identify leaders and in a way set titles for certain athletes as leaders? You know what I mean? And I, and I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, Jordan Peterson if you have if you've if you've, read, if you've read his book uh the 12 12 rules of life he kind of talks about how um in every single kind of social context that people identify uh automatically kind of identify themselves in this hierarchical um system where there's whatever I I don't want to butcher it so I'm not but you probably understand what I'm talking about how much how much do you think it's the coach's job to identify leaders and make it known to the team that athlete A, B, and C are the leaders of the team or allow the leadership, the leaders to just organically emerge. And then they just kind of figure it out themselves.
1: So like anything in sports performance, I'm going to give the answer. It depends. Um, You know, I I think there's times where it's so clear cut. There's certain guys that are just leaders. It's just who they are It's what they do. Um, We had a guy on our, our team at, at Georgia Southern, Isaiah Crawley, and, and he, he was just a leader. It's just who he was. Um, you know, and then we have other guys that like, just kind of emerge over time. But I do think as coaches, you know, there's a couple of humility points for us where we need to understand we don't always know best. We know what yeah. face of that athlete we see. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're like on weekends. We don't know what they're like. I mean, we, we can guess, you know, we can put together a pretty decent picture, but we don't truly know. Do their teammates – because if we pick a kid and we're like, hey, this guy leads during practice, he leads during, you know, games, he's always the first one in the facility, whatever, but he's a complete asshole outside and we don't know that. Mm-hmm. And, the kid, you know, the, or he slept with, with you know, someone's girlfriend on the team. Well, is that really someone you want as a leader? So sometimes we have to admit what we don't know. And we think we always know best as coaches. And it's, it's tough, but it's something that we need to admit. So I think that there has to be a mix. If there's kids that are clear cut – And it's like, hey, there's no doubt about this. The kid, the team respects him. I respect him. I'm going to, you know, make this kid a leader. And I think other times you just got to let that stuff play itself out um, and figure out who that is. So I I like, personally, the teams that maybe name one captain and then let the rest of them kind of emerge as time comes, you know, or name two captains or whatever, and then let it happen. But I think you got to identify guys that aren't necessarily in that senior role. Like, I think that's an outdated thing that we still do in athletics that, a captain has to be a senior. Why? Based on what? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have a guy that comes in and, and busts his butt and he's, a, and again, a guardian of the culture and a guardian of the standard, why can't he be a leader? You know, why can't he be in that role? I, I think for me, don't do things just because that's the way we've always done. Them, you know, and, and yeah. we say that in training, it's the same in leadership. Don't do it just because you said that. You know, it's the same thing when guys put a C on a kid that's a 20 point a night kind of guy and then all of a sudden he gets popped for smoking weed well yeah we made that decision you know what i mean and i think those things coaches don't realize but those things put a crack in your culture man that's hard that's hard no matter what you do after that you're putting a band-aid over a bullet wound man yeah
0: that's that's a hell that's a hell of a point um i you can tell just from hearing you talk you're obviously incredibly passionate about this like where did, I guess, you've had a couple years, obviously, in the strength and conditioning field. Where did this kind of passion for leadership stem from? Like what, and I'm going to use a phrase I love to use, what sets your soul on fire?
1: Oh, man. Um, honestly, for me, it goes way back. So this is a story not a lot of people know. This might actually be the first time I'm saying it out loud. So uh, get ready. Buckle up. Um, going all the way cool. back to high school, I was, a, uh, I was a good high school football player. I was an awful college player, good high school yeah. player. Um, in my senior year, we voted for captains and everybody voted. My head coach called me in the office. He said, let me ask you this question first. Did you vote for yourself? I said, no. And he said, okay. He said, you're not a captain. He said, but if you change your vote and vote for yourself, you will be. What do you want to do? I said, no. I said, if my team doesn't see me as a captain, then I'm not a captain. It's that simple. I was a three-year starter on, on a very, very good team. Um, but I felt like if I didn't earn it, it wasn't mine, you know? and so that. Laid dormant for years, that that conversation, and, you know, it never really materialized into anything. Um I tried my best to lead on and off the field during that season, and I did a good, decent job. Um, but then years later, I got into the college setting, and I start coaching, and I'm being around these kids. And I just – this burning question just keeps coming up, like, why can't we lead? Why can't these kids lead? Why don't they get it? What is it? Where is the disconnect? You know, because you always hear coaches say, we need more leaders. We need this. We need that. It's like, but who's teaching it? Who's teaching? I didn't know how to lead. I had no idea, you know. And and I kind of elected in college either. So right, yeah. There's no there's no playbook to this stuff. Right. There's no right or wrong. And and I think, you know, I have a deep deep passion for like self honesty and self awareness. I'm like that. Like you said, lights your soul on fire. Like that's it. Like I joke and it's a joke, but it's not. I'm okay with deception. There's times where you have to be deceptive to the outside world. I'm not okay with self deception. Don't lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think. To be a good leader, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. You have to be willing to make some tough decisions and look yourself in the mirror and be able to separate that decision from your self-worth. And that really interests me. People that are able to do that on that level and then get other people to get on board and, and follow that, that jacks me up. Like I'm like, dude, if you can get people to commit to being the best version of themselves, regardless of whether it's good or bad for them, that's unbelievable like I'm like that is awesome when you have guys that you know a Nick Saban or those type of people like that can convince a kid that was a five-star recruit to switch positions because it's better for the team like I mean that's to me that's really impressive you know so I, I just think it, it just became an obsession I guess of figuring out where does this come from um, and then the other one is you know that example of there's the the two twin brothers, and, and one of them is a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. The other one is a homeless alcoholic. And they say to the brother, the, the CEO, they say, "Why are you in the position that you're in? Like, what led to this?" And he's like, "My dad was an alcoholic." And then they say to the brother who's who's a twin, and he said, "Why are you in this position?" The homeless brother says, "My dad was an alcoholic." Mm-hmm. So that really, like, I would read that, and I think it was on Instagram or something. But it just burned me, man. I was just like, "Why? Like, what? Like, what creates?" that and and the PhD and going down that rabbit hole is because I want an answer I want to know and maybe I won't ever figure it out but I'm selfish I want to compete and I want to I want to be the one to figure it out you know so that's that's where that all comes from man that's what what burns me up about this thing I'm just about people maximizing their gifts like you have a responsibility you were given something that other people weren't given whether it's athletically business you know intelligence wise whatever it is you were given a set of gifts you have a responsibility and it's downright disrespectful to not Maximize that so any way that I can help somebody maximize their gifts. I'm I'm in. I'm sold Very cool. mm.
2: Sean how much time do we have left I do uh, six so we're good. Okay, so just kind of like my last quick question for you, David um, You briefly mentioned um, psychological uh, science principles as far as uh, leadership qualities or leadership traits um, What are those principles that you? Base your work on.
1: Yeah, I, so a lot of it is kind of taken from frameworks that's happened over the years. So you look all the way back to like you know, there's there's some principles from the nature nurture debate. There's some stuff from uh, Erikson's you know hierarchy of of uh, human development and the stages of human development and kind of those principles of the the traits and the things that you learn early on. Um, I take some stuff from some of the per, the parenting science um, and the different parenting styles. Um, really, man, I I pull from everywhere. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I've read, I just read uh, Renee Brown's work. You know, she obviously she wrote the book, Darren Greatly. um, But her research is phenomenal on vulnerability. So I take stuff from that. I take stuff from marriage counseling, I take stuff, you know, I'm all over the place. Anything that is going to help me understand people better, is going to help me build better leaders. Anything that's going to help me understand what influences thought processes, what influences behaviors, what influences emotion, those are the things that are going to help me build better leaders because at the end of the day, those are the things that as a leader, we're looking to get from our followers, but we also have to have control of in ourselves. Um, so, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm all over. I'd be more than happy to go in depth with people. Um, if anyone wants to reach out, let me know and I'll, I'll shoot you guys a list of resources that you can look at.
0: Yeah. We'll awesome. pop your, we'll pop your contact information in the show notes and everything like that's, that.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: you mentioned a couple of different books along this podcast. Um, I know specifically, and I want to know if you've ever read, uh, the leader with no title. Um, that's one of my personal favorites. Uh, have you read that one? I have,
1: I have. So I, 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 dude, if gonna, not, I was going to
0: send it to you cause it, it's yeah. like right <laughs> up your alley.
1: No, no, that's, that's anything, man, anything I can read. Um, you know, and again, like I said, I, I read everything I can get my hands on, like. Mm. I just think you can pull something from anybody. And I've said before, you know, if there's somebody that's the best in the world at blowing balloons, I want to sit down with them for an hour because they got something figured out. They've mastered mm-hmm. some sort of craft and I want to know why. And then, you know, if you look at like Tim Ferriss's work and like the tribe of mentors mm-hmm. and, and things like that, like success leaves clues. So many, all those people are from different walks of life, but there's so many commonalities and common threads between successful people um, that I find that stuff really, really interesting, so I, I try not to to narrow the scope too much, and even when I was in strength and conditioning, I always had a rule. It was one strength and conditioning book, two books outside, one was leadership, one was for me um, and, and that was always you know the way I, I rolled through it.
0: Yeah, dude, Passion pizza Passion speaks the same language uh, in my book. Anyone that has a passion for something like we're gonna we're gonna get along great because we're both going to be passionate about something.
1: Um, and, and it's scary because there's people that go through their whole lives trying to find that. And mm-hmm. I think passion is kind of pushed down by a lot of people at times where it's like, you're not, I, I guess you're looked at as like obsessive or, you know, the, the, the curve wants you to come back to mediocre. The curve wants you to, to sink. And so yeah. anytime somebody's passionate about something, I'm like, dude, let that out, bro. That's special. Like that's guard that, mm-hmm. like fight for it. You know what I mean? So when people say like, what do you stand for? I hate that. Don't ask me what I stand for. What do you fight for? What do you like? Who do you want to be? What are you about? You know, I, I love that stuff.
0: You you stand you stand for your heavy deadlifts. That's exactly hey, what you stand for. Martin, it's
1: not what it, it ain't what it used to be, buddy. And it ain't. Pretty <laughs>
0: right now. Awesome, dude. So as we uh, as we close up here, uh, we'd love to ask our guests one final question: uh, if you could recommend someone for us to reach out to to have on our podcast, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it.
1: Sean Manuel, man. Sean is a uh, strength and conditioning coach. He was the director at UNLV when I was there. He was also at Bishop Gorman. Um, one of my biggest mentors, you know, from from a training standpoint, his his understanding of, of speed mechanics and, and acceleration mechanics is second to none. Um, and then also from a leadership standpoint, this he's a guy, of, he's a man of principles and he lives what he preaches. And um, he has a way of communicating that's really impressive and a way of, of building trust and relationships that that's really, really impressive. Um, I learned a ton from him, man, a ton. And, and we're in contact all the time. So if you get the chance, definitely sit down with him. Um, he'll talk to you about anything and he's so open about his mistakes and, and his life. He, I mean, the guy hides nothing. Like he just is who he is and, and he learns from it and it's awesome. Um, so yeah, if you get the shot, man, Sean Manuel, um, get in touch with him. If you guys need to contact him, let me know. Um, well, but he's yeah, that'd be so great. great. Awesome.
0: All right, dude. Uh, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate it. And um, obviously if you're ever in the Philly area, which are really close now, uh, yep. call me. We'll go get a lift in. Uh, but thank you for your time. Abs- absolutely, man. a fun one.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Great time. Yeah. And I know you guys said you, you'll link it up in the show notes, man. If anyone wants to get at me, um, at Coach D Kitsch on, on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, you know, edgeleadership.com. Um, we have an Instagram and a Twitter as well. So follow all that stuff if you guys want. And feel free to reach out, man. I love talking this stuff. If anyone will talk
2: shop. I'm always around. Awesome. awesome. Thanks a lot, dude. That was some good stuff, man.
1: Awesome. I appreciate you guys. That was fun. Appreciate the time.